0: Hey, welcome to episode 14.5. We're doing a little bit of a bonus episode here to make up for our shoddy sound quality on episode 14. So thank you for bearing with us. And I'm actually here not with Zach today, but with my good friend, John. How you doing, John?
1: Good, Jack. How about you?
0: I'm good. I see you've been listening to the show.
1: I have. I have. um, Yeah, I, I like the content you guys are putting out. It's unique.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. And for the listeners, John and I have uh, known each other for most of our lives. We actually really sort of learned the game together. John's brother, uh, he and I used to actually play uh, MTTs on the same full tilt account uh, back in high school. And when I say on the same account, I mean making decisions together, which in retros- retrospect was actually probably a good way to learn because we were sort of discussing each decision, even if we you know, had sort of no idea what we were doing. We, qu- we quickly ascended from monkeys to crushers, and now we've both made the transition to playing live uh, and playing cash. So, today we're going to talk through one of John's hands. Uh, so, John, where'd you play this hand?
1: This was at the Horseshoe in Cleveland. Okay. Uh, I was playing 1 3. We were playing eight handed. The main villain in the hand was probably 50 years old, clean cut. We had been playing for about an hour together at a different table. And that table had since broken. we had been moved to a new table, and at the older table, he was playing. He was pretty active. He's probably playing twenty-five to thirty percent of his hands, and was showing aggression in some spots that I thought were definitely sus- suspicious. But he had never made it to showdown, so you know I wasn't sure whether or not he was on a heater or you know was making a lot of, or making some bluffs. Mm-hmm. So at the new table, we played probably an orbit and a half, and he or maybe a little. Maybe two or three orbits, and he's quieted down a bit. So yeah, this particular hand, I'm on the button with king-three of clubs, and uh, it folds around to me. The villain, the main villain in the hand uh, was in the big blind. So I raised a 10 on the button with king-three of clubs.
0: Okay, yeah, I mean, that seems pretty standard to me. Yeah. It's sort of shocking that it folded around you in the button. I feel like that happens so much less often than it should uh, in a 1-3 game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think... I mean, from what from what I gathered from the table so far, was definitely. I mean, I was playing with a fair amount of nits. Yeah. Uh, I think me and this other guy, the main villain in the hand, were definitely t- the two most active players at the table.
0: Yeah, and just for our listeners, uh, I'm sure Zach would want me to say this. In, in most casinos, uh, once you once you got that uh, table read, you're probably looking to change tables just because there's. Almost certainly a better game in the room.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But again, I mean, this was this right, was orbit just... and a half in, and yeah. I was still getting... I mean, I didn't know that at the time, I guess. Mm. What I later realized was that the table was made up of mainly this guy, me, and uh, six other nits.
0: Yeah. The, the, this guy doesn't seem like enough of a target to be worth continuing with, but you know No, that.
1: absolutely not. The, and then there's one other thing I had known about this guy just from my time with him at the previous table, is that he... Uh, had been on the list for PLO oh okay. which made me think he was probably like you know better than the average your average reg um and at least somewhat thinking
0: yeah I I can definitely imagine that being the case I can also imagine it being the case that this guy is just maybe more gambly I think a lot some hold on players who really like to gamble and see a lot of action really prefer plo for that reason mm-hmm. so and the fact that you've seen him play a lot of hands and seem to take a lot of shots might mean he's sort of just having fun and biding his time until he gets moved to the omaha table where the action and that's really is.
1: yeah that's one of those they they had come over to the table and told him that his seat was available and he had declined the seat hmm. and had elected to stay at our table
0: okay so that's interesting and this was, while, this was before the table broke? This was before
1: the table broke, yeah.
0: Okay. So, king three, I think it's a clear open yep. on the button. So,
1: So yeah, we're playing $200 effective stacks, and the villain covers. Uh, so we make it ten. The little blind calls, and the main villain calls, in the big blind. Uh, the flop comes out king, queen, seven. King, seven, and diamonds. And both villains in the hand check and we throw out a continuation bet of $18. Mm -hmm. What do you think in here?
0: I like this play a lot actually. Uh, I think that in other situations with top pair weak kicker I'd be tempted to check uh, and try and get value on later streets but I do think that considering this is a a button versus blind situation and your range is definitely very wide here Mm-hmm. Uh, you're likely to get called down by a lot of queens. There might not be that many pocket pairs you're targeting uh, if you think that big blind is going to be three betting with many of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen big blind three? No,
1: pre flop he's actually been more passive. He's more apt to just call and try and see a flop.
0: Yeah, then I definitely think that uh, there's a lot of hands that could call you here. Jack nine, 10-9, jack ten, diamonds. Uh, Pairs, queens, so I think there's a nice big value range that you should be targeting. But I, I do like the sizing, 18 into 30. It's not so big as to get some of those marginal hands, like a 10-9 right. with the 10 of diamonds to fold. So I mm-hmm. like the sizing. What were you thinking?
1: I was. I mean, yeah, I agree with what you said. I was, you know, I'm targeting queens, diamonds, straight draws, nine, so 9-10, nine, 10-jack. 10, 10 yeah, all right, that sounds good. Um, so what happened? So little blind folds, and big blind check raises to 40. Hmm. What are you thinking here?
0: You know, I think it's, it's really tough to fold here. I, I don't think folding is a good idea. I do think it's possible that we're not good here, but I think that it's really hard for me to put hands like kings and queens uh, into this guy's range, or even ace-king. Just because, even though you haven't seen him three bet, do you have reason to think that he would flat? No, absolutely hands? not.
1: I don't I don't think I mean I think ninety five percent of the time he's three betting Kings Queens and Ace King. So mm-hmm. I really didn't account for those being in his range or didn't include those in his range in this hand.
0: Yeah, so I I think much more likely are you know, the value hands I think we're worried about are King Queen and Sevens.
1: I think King Seven and Maybe even Queen-7 suited right. are also in his range, too.
0: Yeah. No, that's a good point. But I think there's a lot of draws that he's going to raise here. Yeah. I think probably all of his Jack-10, plenty of Jack-9, some, maybe some Ace-10, Ace-Jack with a Diamond,
1: uh, and a lot of Diamond draws. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think because my perceived range here is so wide that... A lot of recreational play, or at least what in my experience, I've seen guys sort of make these small check raises with, you know, not necessarily strong hands, just to sort of see where they're at and like possibly just get me to fold out all my air.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's actually a good point. I don't normally think of that type of play because it's so bad. Well, yeah, I but know, but I, that, I think that's that's so that's a really uh, important observation. So yeah, I, th- I think we can probably include some. Uh, One pair hands here, and I don't think we'll be ahead of all those. But I also think that our effective odds against those hands are, you know, really good in terms of a call because I think a lot of them are going to shut down. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's definitely a call.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's why I I made the call. Um, At the time, at least, I was thinking he could do this with just like a naked king. I mean, king jack. King ten, even maybe maybe King nine, just because, and that was sort of just a result of me having seen him make like a couple check raises in just the, few, the hour that I've played with him, and I don't think he's doing that with you know all of his King Jacks, but I, I thought it was a possibility mm. or King tens, King nines, you know,
0: yeah, one pair and kings. that's kind of what I thought you were talking about with the uh, one pair so, hands, like both yeah. some King and King X and some Queen, Queen X, X, yeah, yeah. right. So yeah, I think against that range of hands, you're definitely doing well enough that you have to call, mm-hmm. and I think that uh, those those hands are not going to be firing out too many turns and rivers, uh, mm-hmm. or I would expect that. And I think that if they do, then it's fine to give it credit, you know, when you have such limited information about this player.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, moving on, the turn comes a uh, offsuit seven, so... King, Queen, seven, 7, 2 diamonds.
0: So just before we get to the action, I just want to point out that this is a, a really, really weak card for our opponent's range. It takes out a lot of combos uh, of hands that ha- were beating us. So 7s, King, 7, Queen, 7. And it might seem at first that it's helping those hands, uh, but those hands were already ahead of us. Pretty, uh, They were pretty much unbeatable or we, we were not going to be able to beat them anyway, so the fact that fewer of them exist is really, really good for
1: our range. Mm-hmm.
0: And also, it, it just bricks every single draw. draw. Yeah. So this is really a great card for our range.
1: Absolutely, and yeah, I thought the same thing. So the villain thinks for a while, um, 45 seconds maybe, and leads out for 50.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so, what, were, what did you think? When this happened.
1: Well, I thought he could definitely be continuing uh, with his draws. So ten jack diamonds, based on the pause, and I also, I thought. I mean, I thought he could still have king. I thought he could have king queen, of course. Yeah. Um, and I thought still even some king x's could be in his range, just because I mean, if he's trying to charge me and if he's putting me on a draw.
0: Hmm. I think that all sounds right, uh, and I th- I do think. This pause makes a lot of sense with his range. I think he'll probably be at least somewhat aware that this is not a good card for him. Right. Even if he's comfortable with his hand. It also would make sense that this is the kind of card that would have him to continue to value bet a hand like King Jack, or, or yeah, King jack, king 10, King 9, because mm-hmm. now uh, the only kings he's losing to are Ace-King, uh, King-Queen, which you probably, you could have easily re-raised on the flop. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's also, you know, for the same reason, it's a good, it's better for you to call now because you're chopping with all those king hands that had you beat. Right. So you, I'm guessing you called here?
1: Yeah, I called planning to reevaluate on the river. Um, you know, if if he let out again, it would, it would probably be a pretty clear fold. I mean, if, if the river bricked out. Eh, I don't know if that's actually necessarily what I was thinking. But
0: probably depends on the sizing. and Yeah. So you called. So yeah,
1: sorry. I, elect, I elected to call. Um, so I've got, like, a hundred behind at this point. Pot would have been about a little over two hundred, two ten. Uh, River comes at eight of diamonds, and the villain thinks for a while, or, sorry, not for a while, he thinks for just a few seconds and checks. And I sort of realized that the villain's never, I mean, he's never gonna check a flush here. He's not gonna check any full house. He could check king-queen. So... And then he could check his busted straight draws. So I sort of realized that there wasn't a a lot of value in checking back because, you know, I'll lose to his king-queens, I'll chop with his king x's, and I'll beat his draws. By shoving here, I think I can get him to fold a lot of the hands I chop him with, as well as maybe some of the hands he's beating me with, so some of his king-queens. I'm not totally sure if he's going to fold, but I think the eight of diamonds is definitely going to, I mean scare him just because the flush comes in. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, I think the villain's range here is capped King Queen. I don't think he can ever have a better hand than King Queen. Would you agree?
0: I agree. And I also, we didn't really talk about this on the turn, or the flop. But I think his sizing, his sizing is so small in both of these bots that I think King Queen is almost a little bit unlikely. I just think he would probably raise larger on the flop. And probably bet more on the turn uh, with a hand like King Queen. Yeah, I would agree. And so, I I do think he has some King Queen in the spot, but I totally agree that his range is capped at King Queen. I think it would be really foolish not to bet a full house here. I think we could, you know, you could argue there's some merit to checking like a baby flush here uh, to induce a bet like yours. And, you know, I think that's a fine play, but I also don't think it's very likely. I don't think. He necessarily raises... Uh, check raises you always with a baby flush on the flop, or baby flush oh, draw. Yeah. So even though I do think that, that there are maybe some flushes in his range here, I think there's probably a lot of hands that you chop with that are worth betting into. Uh, and I think that you'll be pretty successful here against 1-3 players who, who wouldn't necessarily expect you... To do this kind of play, you know, with the hand that you have, mm-hmm. you wouldn't necessarily think uh, on your level, right? So I, I really like the play. So yeah, what were the what were the results?
1: Well, did I even say what I, I mean? I did. I don't know if I said. I mean, I did. Oh, you did. Do I do it? did yeah, shove. Okay. Yeah, I shoved for the remaining hundred, and he thought for a while. I don't know, over a minute. And it was more than that. It was probably two or three minutes, uh, and finally made the call. And sure enough, he had king queen.
0: Oh, he did? Yeah. Well, then, I still think it's a great play, because if you got him to maybe even fold king-queen, then I think he's, obviously he's fold definitely kings, folding. Yeah. And I think he has a lot more king-jack, king ten king-nine, in the spot than king-queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, combinatorically, mean, yeah. There's just more combos of him. There's more, and I think, well, to me, the sizing, the size, when yeah, I was making I the decision, too. obviously, yeah. you know, now that we know this about the player, it's different. But I I think that from what we knew about the player, I would say the sizing would take out some king queen. I would agree, uh, for sure. And it almost worked anyway. So, you know, if you, it's almost too bad you guys weren't playing deeper. Mm-hmm. Because I think that it's a lot more realistic to expect, you know, a villain to fold out or fold a hand like king queen if you're betting more than half pot, if you can throw out a pot size bet.
1: Yeah. No, I think, I, know, I think you're right. I mean, had I been playing for the full 300, you know, maybe this hand would have worked out a little better for me, but I'm happy with the play. Yeah.
0: I, I understand it's disappointing when these things don't go through, and it, it can definitely, I'm not sure if you're questioning it, it doesn't sound like you are, but it can make you question those plays, just because we as live players we don't have enough volume to see the full range of results that we should, mm-hmm. so it's always our results are always going to be skewed one way or another. And it's just important to keep that in mind. So I just think, you know, I like the range that we assigned going through the hand, and I think with that range, uh, you played your hand perfectly, so.
1: Cool. Well, yeah, I I was, um, you know, a little, I guess, down afterwards. But uh, I thought, I mean, I thought about it for a while and broke it down once I got home and sort of came to the same conclusion on my own that the play is probably going to work out most times, so.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that's, that's the other important thing is when you have hands like this on your own to work it out away from the table. Uh, and I think also the process of doing that helps you sort of compartmentalize things because you can, even if you're unsure about a hand, you can sort of have the certainty of knowing you're going to really think about it later. And it helps you, maybe maybe it helps you put it aside while you're still playing Mm -hmm. Uh, knowing that you'll be able to address it later if you're not in the practice of doing that you might be more likely to sort of obsess about a hand at the table which might distract you from other key information right all right man uh it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast finally i'm sure we'll have you again by the way i wanted to give john an opportunity to talk about a research project he's doing on poker players and what makes them successful so john do you want to talk a little bit about that
1: Uh, So I'm writing a research paper on factors that determine the success of a poker player. So I'm just sort of investigating a bunch of variables, like personal characteristics and habits of poker players and how they relate to that player's winnings. So Jack and Zach have agreed to post a link to the survey on their website, Just Hands Poker, and I would appreciate any responses you guys can give me. It's a short survey. It should take less than five or ten minutes. So what the research hopes to accomplish is to highlight the most important, I guess, characteristics and habits of successful poker players. So that guys who are looking to, Im- or girls who are looking to improve, can do so most efficiently and most quickly by focusing on sharpening those scales and practicing those habits.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested to see the results. in uh, and- if you'll let us, I'm sure we would love to oh, yeah. post and discuss the results at some point.
1: Absolutely. The paper will be finished uh, in early May. And, of course, I would I mean, love to post the, the final version of the paper on, on your guys' website if you'll, if you'll let me.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah, i really enjoy reading about that. So, yeah, to our listeners, yeah, please do fill that out. Zach and I will, uh, and we'll be sharing it uh, in other mediums. So thank you guys again for tuning into the bonus episode. We are going to be still releasing another episode on Tuesday uh, with more guests. And keep an eye out on the website. Zach and I are planning some new series in the blog that we'll keep you updated about that should be exciting. All right. Have a good couple days and we'll see you guys on Tuesday.